Welcome, adventurers. This tale picks up with some old friends. If it has been a while since you have listened to episodes three and four, hidden among barrels, you might consider revisiting them now. And when you are ready, join me, and let us see what Mela is up to. Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents... Tales from the Dungeon (sighs) The woman that bore down on Mela was the tallest she had ever seen. But she stood her ground. She had been waiting for something, anything, to come out the door. They never let her get anywhere near the action. The towering woman's single good eye was bloodshot, the other covered by a patch. Her head was shaved, and she snarled, veins bulging at the neck. The distance between them was rapidly vanishing. Mela reached out an arm. Blue bolts of arcane energy surged up her arm and burst out from her outstretched hand, striking the woman dead in the chest. Her aggressor took the bolt, snarl turning into a scream, and kept coming. Mela's eyes widened. A short sword appeared in her hand. Two paces to go, Mela braced for the impact. The woman went slack mid-stride. Mela let out a sigh of exasperation, stepping aside as the woman bowled past, losing her footing and collapsing face down into the dirt. Softly snoring, Colborn, she said in exasperation. The dwarf's head peeked around the edge of the building, smiling. Don't be mad, my little girl. He gestured around the sky as he approached. Look at the beautiful sky. Smell the fresh air. Mela continued to glare. You couldn't appreciate any of that with a broken nose and your eyes swole shut. He finished, stopping near the door the woman had run through. Mela crossed her arms, still not speaking. Besides, doesn't this remind you of when we met? He gestured to the snoring body. Mela looked down to the woman. What did he? When she looked back at him, he held both his arms in the air, his crooked tooth smile showing through his beard. Mela dropped her arms, a smile touching her eyes. She wanted to be mad, but with Colborn, it was nigh impossible. The short sword disappeared from her hand as her memory drifted to that night in the alley six months ago. Though it had seemed a joke after their exchange, Colborn had turned and indeed raised his hands over his head. A second smile flicked on Mela's face, but she still followed at a distance. Having lived in the shadows for over ten years now, her body fought and screamed against the idea of being invited to talk with somebody, to go into an unfamiliar building not knowing what lie within or where her best option for escape might lie but an even stranger sensation fought back against this fear. Trust. She had no explanation for it. She had only met the dwarf five minutes ago, but for reasons she never fully understood, she trusted Colborn from the moment she met him. Something in his warm and welcoming manner, or the fact that he almost never raised his voice above conversational tones. 
Mela had been by herself for all but the briefest of times in her conscious memory. The truth of it was that Colborne acted as a ray of sun on a seed she never knew lie within her. The until now dormant need for companions. The need for family. As they walked, Mela noted that Colborne's gait was a little strange. With his cloak hanging around him, she could not know for sure, but she assumed an injured leg. The walk took some time, with the dwarves' odd pace, and apparently the inn at which he stayed was all the way across town. Mela drew ever nearer as they walked. She didn't know Colborne, but that irrational trust told her she was safer with him than without him. So it was that when they reached the inn in the temple district, Instead of five paces behind, Mela was but half a pace behind him and just off to his right. Stranger still, as they slowed, just before the door, she had to fight back the urge of reaching out to take his hand. Colborne turned. He pretended to be startled by her presence, putting his hand to his chest. Who are you, and where did you come from? He said in feigned fright. Then his broad smile again. We should be quiet, lass. It's still a couple of bells until solar rises. Sarkeesian is an early riser and should be up and just over a bell. Until then, I'll sit with you in the common room and wait. Mela's stomach fluttered nervously as his hand reached out to open the door. She hadn't been through the front door of any building since leaving the orphanage all those years ago. The door pushed open. Colborne turned. Another small smile. I pledge to protect you until such time as you decide what to do. And then he removed the leather glove from his right hand and offered it to her. In reality, the hand was less than a foot from her, but reaching out felt as if she was reaching across a canyon. Her small hand gently grasped his. He nodded and whispered, Brave lass. Colborne had drawn down his hood and nodded to the sleepy stable boy who doubled as the night watch in the common room. The boy stood, squinted at Colborne, nodded, and sat back down on his stool, crossing his arms and propping his head back against the wall. They had taken two wooden chairs by the large hearth at the east end of the common room. Colborne had thrown a log on the embers and poked the fire back to life. Sitting down, he groaned shrugging back his cloak, popping a large buckle at his waist and rubbing his thighs. Mela looked on in curiosity. At first she thought he was wearing oddly cut black trousers, but then realized it was plate armor. She was no expert by any means, but it seemed finely crafted. And after staring, it seemed more complicated than necessary for just the protection of his legs. The armor was attached into a heavy brace that wrapped around his lower back and stomach. Quite something, aren't they? Colborne spoke. Mela's eyes darted to his and then looked away to the fire, blushing in embarrassment. She hadn't meant to stare. Och, lass, no need for that. They take most off guard the first time they see them. Only ones of their kind. Mela looked back, curiosity outweighing her awkwardness. Colborne rebuckled the clasp at his waist and slowly stood. Her eyes widened as part of the metal at the hips, knees, and ankles spun and shifted, giving off a low whirring noise. 
Colborne knocked on one thigh with a fist. Without these wonders, I couldn't walk a lick. He extended his left leg, more moving parts and whirring. Mela's mouth opened in amazement. He sat slowly down again and popped the buckle with a sigh. But I do get sore wearing them over long, and today, he said with a smile and a nod her direction. I've been wearing them too long. Mela kept staring at them in wonder, her feet drawn up under herself, cloak pulled tightly under her chin. Are they magic? Colborne smiled. Magical, mechanical, and who knows what else? Don't suppose you've heard of Oren Warren Fizrigal Ertzwald Gearbender? Mela's eyes widened, and then something unexpected. A giggle escaped. Colborne's smile widened. I'll take your response as a no. Though the name may seem a bit much, it doesn't begin to describe his genius. An unparalleled gnomish inventor, whom without, I could not walk. The grin stayed on Mela's face as well. He made them? Surely his soul. Mela stared on, her mind struggling and bending to fathom how such a thing was even possible. A gentle snore drew her eyes back up to Colborne's bearded face. His chin rested on his chest, eyes closed, asleep. Mela clutched her cloak as tight as possible, sinking deeper into the chair. Mela had watched Colborne sleep, looking between him and the fire. She was exhausted and hungry. Anxiety welled up as she fought off sleep. She could sneak out, back into the city. He would never know. Unless he spent weeks and weeks looking, he would never find her again. Not if she didn't want him to. What was she expecting from all this anyway? After ten years living on the streets, she was just going to be normal? Sleep in beds? Move about in the daylight? No, the more she thought about it, the more ridiculous it all seemed. This had been a mistake. It was the adrenaline from the night's chase that had led her to this rash decision. No, this would not work. Mela lived alone. Pre-dawn light began to leak through the windows. She should go. She looked once more on Colborne. A pang of hesitation. A small cry from the unwanted seed. Stay. A tear escaped. Her cloak parted, and her feet reached silently to the ground. She stood and started without noise toward the front door. Four steps away from the chairs, and she froze. Sarkeesian is probably awake now. Colborne's sleepy voice came. No judgment, no questions. She didn't know whether to run or to turn around. The result was her standing in the middle of the common room like a fool statue as if he might not see her if she was still enough. She heard him stand. He walked calmly around her and looked on her face. No smile this time, just groggy assessment. He turned again and walked toward the stairs, pausing at the bottom. Looking back, he jerked his head in a, come on, up we go, motion. Before she thought about it, Mela had taken a step toward him. He smiled and turned to begin his ascent. She took a second step, and then a third, and as her fourth step fell, all thoughts of fleeing 
had vanished. On the second floor, Colborne paused at the second door to the right, stepping to it and giving three gentle knocks. Mela, standing a few paces behind, saw the door crack open. The dwarf mumbled a few words and then gestured to Mela. A soft reply came from within. Sarkeesian, she presumed. Such an odd name, Sarkeesian. The door opened wide and Colborne stood to the side, motioning for her to enter. Mela moved tentatively toward the threshold, but stopped when she saw the woman who stood behind the door. She towered over Mela. Her dark skin stood in contrast to the simple white nightshirt she wore. Her thick black hair was pulled into a mess behind her head. Calm brown eyes regarded Mela, no expression showing on her face. She was an imposing figure. Then a warm smile, and the tall woman gestured as well. Come in, child. And then, looking to Colborne quizzically, Mela, he said out loud in a tone that also said, long story, without saying it. Come in, Mela. She finished, stepping aside. Mela looked once toward Colborne, who nodded and smiled. She stepped through the threshold, and unknown to her, into a new life. The room was not overly large. It contained two beds, one neatly made. The other was a jumble. A disproportionately large snore came from a small, blanket-covered lump on that bed. A pile of brilliant red hair spilled from under the covers onto a pillow. In Mela's exhausted state, she found herself mesmerized by the rhythmic snoring. She swayed as she stood. The tall woman's voice pulled her from her haze. Sounds like you've had quite an evening, child. Mela turned, realizing that Colborne and the woman had been whispering as she stood, half asleep. She gave a small nod in the affirmative. The woman's smile returned. Mela, I am Sarkeesian, a good friend and compatriot of Colborne. I am very happy to meet you. It appears we have some things to discuss, but not, I think, until you and our common acquaintance here have had some sleep. Colborne's eyes had drooped shut again, even though he still stood on the amazing magic legs. You can lay in my bed and sleep for four or five bells. We can talk over a late breakfast. I will watch over you while I pray. Her hand clasped a simple medallion at her neck. Mela was hesitant, looking nervously to Colborne. You wish for Colborne to stay? Sarkeesian asked. After a moment, she nodded in agreement. Of course, child. Sarkeesian looked at the dwarf. Colborne. Colborne. His eyes popped open, rolling quickly to focus, remembering where he was. Colborne, Mela would like you to stay while she sleeps. Even as she spoke, he nodded, walked to the corner of the room, reaching out to squeeze Mela's shoulder in reassurance as he passed. He lay unceremoniously down on the wood floor, and in two beats, regular, steady breaths came from the thick beard. Sarkeesian held her hand toward the empty bed. Mela looked at her for a moment, and then stepped toward where Colborne lay took to the floor and pulled her cloak around herself, eyes flicking between Sarkeesian and the door. The tall woman looked down on her and then took blankets from her neatly made bed. She quietly covered Colborne. 
She then held up a second blanket before Mela, eyebrows raising. Three beats, and then Mela nodded. Sarkeesian was gentle as she placed the blanket over her. Her hand paused briefly on her shoulder before walking to sit in front of the door, cross-legged. Sarkeesian clasped her hands together and laid them in her lap, eyes closing. Mela could tell from her breathing that she was still awake. She stared at the tall woman. Mela knew she would not sleep, not in this new environment. The sounds of snoring still issued from the bed. Colborne's breaths joined in, the consistent rise and fall of Sarkeesian's chest. Fighting off sleep and the idea of friends, Mela lays on an inn floor. Will she win either battle? Join me next week for the last episode of Season 2, Part 2 of A Thread to Pull.